Thank you guys for leading us in worship this morning. What a powerful name it is, huh? That's the God that we serve. Um, And we're going to spend a little bit of time in His Word this morning um, and hear what He has to say. Um, I'm thankful for Ridge this morning that that he turned over the pulpit for me um, and is allowing me to um, continue what he's been teaching on and and lessons from a leader, um, learning from Joshua this morning. And we're moving into Joshua 8. Um, We've taken over um, Jericho. We've seen the fall of Jericho. We've moved into the promised land. um, And we've dealt with a little bit of Akon's sin. And we're going to revisit that this morning. Um, and, and see what he has for us in chapter 8 um, as they, they attempt to, to take over I um, again. And, and bear with me, I don't know how to pronounce um, that city. It's spelt A-I, so I'm going to call it I. So, so know what I'm saying when I say that, okay? Um, so as we um, continue to look to Joshua um, for leadership, um, this morning we're going to see Joshua and the Israelites are faced um, with a tough teaching um, it's, it's a hard lesson, and if it's left unconfronted, um, God's promise is that he's not going to be with the Israelites. Um, there's going to be defeat, um, but if it's confronted, um, there's a promise of victory. Um, and that promise of victory allows um, the Israelites to, to continue to pursue um, in the taking of the promised land, of, of taking and claiming the promise um, that God has given them of this land. And so we're going to be in Joshua 8 this morning. Um, so flip over to Joshua 8 with me and read along. We're going to be in Joshua 8, starting in verse 30, reading through the end. It says, Then Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to, the, to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool has been used. On it they offered to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrificed fellowship offerings. There in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua wrote on stones a copy of the law of Moses. All the Israelites with their elders, officials, and judges were standing on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, facing the Levitical priest who carried it. But the foreigners living among them, both the foreigners living among them and the native born were there. Half of the people stood in front of Mount uh, Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formally commanded when he gave instructions to bless the people of Israel. Afterward, Joshua read all of the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it, as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of, the, of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the foreigners who lived among them. If y'all join me in prayer real quick. God, we come to you this morning. Um, God, lifting your name up. Um, God, your name is powerful. It's the name above all names. Um, and God, as we open your word and um, and read your text. Um, God, we just pray that our hearts would be um, ready to hear it, um, ready to receive it, um, to be worked on. And God, as you've called me to be um, the one that presents this morning, Lord, uh, Lord, I'm yours. Um, this mouth is yours. These words are yours. 
Um, So speak this morning. Um, God, we ask that your spirit would come. um, And God, we hold on to the truth that that the words that go before, Lord, that they won't return void. Um, And so, God, we pray that you speak this morning to us. Um, We thank you for your word, and we thank you for your son. And it's in your name that we ask these things. Amen. So this morning, we're going to talk about having victory in our walk with the Lord. Um, It's the next um, step as we move forward into Joshua 8. Um, But first we need to understand something. That God's heart all along from creation has been for us to be victorious. Um, It's been for us to have victory uh, in our relation with Him and in the claiming of His promises. So all along that's been God's desire for us. But there's some rules, um, some requirements um, that we have to play by. Um, some rules of the game, if you will. Um, and so, just like anything else in life, there's rules. Um, there's rules for us to follow as we drive. Um, there's traffic laws. Unless you go anywhere outside of the United States, it seems there's traffic laws here. Um, anywhere else, it's kind of a free-for-all. Um, we're in tax season. So there's, there's a law, um, a rule, if you will, um, that, that part of our income goes to the government. Um, any sports fans in here? There's a big game tonight, isn't there? If you're a football fan, I guess. The Super Bowl, anybody familiar with it? Um, you may have to cut that out of, of this sermon or Roger Goodell might fine us um, for saying the Super Bowl But there's rules of the game, right? Just like in any sport, Um, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, track, um, there's a rule to be followed. And if it's broken, there's a penalty, right? Um, Unless you're Tom Brady, um, then you can deflate the ball, still win a Super Bowl, it's whatever. But for most of us, there's rules of the game, okay? Um, And so... uh, there's been rules all along. We can look back to the beginning, um, and this is a, a rule. This is what um, God told us from the beginning in the garden. He said, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any of the trees of the garden, but you must not eat from this tree, the, knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you do you will surely die. So right there, he gives us a rule. He says, look, I've created all these trees, all this vegetation, all these animals, they're all for you. But my one rule is don't eat from this one tree. And what's the consequence of that? He says, if you do, you will surely die. So from the beginning, he says, look, play by my rules and things go good. He says, I'm giving you everything, but if you mess up in this one area, there's going to be a consequence. So then we look, um, and we continue to move, and and God redeems, and he he pulls the Israelites out of Egypt. Um, And and what we're studying right now is um, Joshua is leading them and claiming the promise of the promised land. Um, But as as God pulls his people out of Egypt, um, he writes... On 
a stone tablet or stone tablets some rules. We call them the Ten Commandments. And the student ministry over here, um, y'all, y'all probably know this. What's the first commandment that he gives us? Just listening. So what's the first commandment? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? Or to not put any other gods before them. And what do they do immediately? They build a golden calf and start worshiping it. And so what's the consequence? The rule was, hey, follow these things, and they can't even hold up to to the first one. And so what's the consequence? They wander in the desert for 40 years, and an entire generation dies off. So not even Moses, who God uses to to pull the people out of, of Egypt, gets to enter into the promised land. And so all along, um, the point is, is that all along there's been rules. But look, our God, he's not a dictator. Um, he's not a political leader that has some mixed agenda. God desires um, for us to be victorious. That he, he doesn't want any ill will towards us, um, but he, he wants us to have victory. This is what he says in Jeremiah 29 that's familiar. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Even in Joshua 1, he says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything that is written in it, and then you'll be prosperous and successful. He desires for us to be prosperous and successful. I'm not sitting up here talking about money or finances or or prosperity in that way. But he desires for us to be victorious in our relationship with him and in the claiming of the things that he's promised us. And so as we move forward um, with the the understanding that God all along has wanted us to be victorious, um, we're going to look at how Joshua leads us um, and teaches us how to have a victorious walk with God. And so to have a victorious walk with God, there's three things that we must do. They're not the only three things, but they're three things that we learn um, from Joshua this morning. The first thing that we have to do um, is deal with sin severely. So why do we have to deal with sin severely? Because if we don't, sin has this ability to linger. And to just kind of sit around. And and when sin does that, it takes out anything in its path. And whoever's in its path. This is what Proverbs 26, 11 says. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Don't let sin linger. So how do we deal with sin severely? The first thing we must do, we have to confront it. And look, if we confront something, we have to actually recognize its existence. You can't take care of something that you you deny exists, right? So if you choose to recognize the existence, um, let me retract that. If you choose not to recognize its existence, um, we tend to have the ostrich effect. You know what I'm talking about? What does an ostrich do when it's confronted? It puts its head in the ground, right? 
and it leaves its body completely vulnerable for anything else to come in and abuse it. And so, look, we have to recognize the existence of sin in our life um, to be able to confront it. And so we read from Joshua. I'm going to, I know we're in chapter 8, but we're going to revisit chapter 7 for a moment um, to see how Joshua handles um, this sin. So in chapter 6, as they take over um, Jericho, God gives them one command as they, um, they march around. He says, well, hey, when the walls fall, take out everyone in it. But he says, I don't want you to take the plunder. That's mine. Those are my devoted things. And look, this is kind of similar to, we had a time of offering. Um, look, this was the first place that they attacked. God's requirement for them is, hey, this is mine. The first one, it's my stuff. Leave it alone. He says, give it to me. And so his rule was, don't touch the devoted things. Those are are mine. And so in Joshua 7, um, we learn that that somebody among them um, has, has taken some of the devoted things. But this was unknown to Joshua, unknown to any of the leadership. And this is what this is what happens. We're talking about confronting sin and recognizing its existence. In Joshua 7, starting in verse 10, he says, The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things, and that is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. Look, Joshua had no idea. This man, Achan, had, had secretly taken some of the devoted things um, without anybody seeing, um, and he'd hidden them. And so Joshua had no idea that this had happened. Um, and so God comes in and he clues Joshua in. He says, hey, look, y'all aren't going to have victory, and you won't have victory from now on until you handle this, and somebody among you has sinned. Somebody has touched those things, has taken those things that I commanded you not to. And so right there, God gives, um, gives Joshua the understanding that, hey, there's sin that exists among you. So now it's up to you as the leader to confront that sin. Um, and as, uh, as the leader, God helps him devise a plan. Though we read it last week, uh, th- this is the plan that he gives um, Joshua. He says, have the people consecrate themselves. It says, tell them tonight, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow morning we're going to figure out who did this. And so early the next morning, with, um, at, as I was reading and studying, it says, with great zeal, Joshua gets up early in the morning with the understanding that, hey, we're taking care of this today. Right now, we're going to get this right with God. And so he calls forward all the tribes, all the 12 tribes of Israel. He calls them forward. And he calls out each one. And as the tribe of Judah comes up, God says, that's the one. And then he says, within that tribe of Judah, I want you to call forward every clan. So he calls forward every clan. He says, so that's the one. And from that clan, he calls forward every family. And he points out, that's the one. And then he goes man by man through that family till finally Akon is revealed. Now, it seems like there would be a much easier way that as you kind of hear what's about to happen and 
man, like God's chosen right, Judah, I'm, I'm in Judah. Oh no, he's chosen my clan too. That maybe Akon would wise up and be like, guys, I did it. I'm just going to save you the time. I messed up. But look, that's what sin does. It deceives us. He held on to the little bit, maybe I won't get caught. Maybe I won't get caught. And so he holds on until the very end, until finally he's revealed in front of everybody. So the lot falls on Akon, and now it's on Joshua to confront it. And this is what he says. He says, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done, and do not hide it from me. Head on, he confronts it. There's no holding back. He confronts it. And so then, now we're faced with what's next. After we've confronted sin, what do we do now? Look, we have to confess sin. And Joshua, as a good leader, provides Achan with an opportunity to confess sin. Look, this is what 1 John 1, 9 says. So it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And we hear from David in Psalm 32, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through the groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So once sin's confronted, it's got to be confessed. And God promises forgiveness. In Joshua 7.20, this is where we see Achan um, make his confession. It says, Achan replied, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in my ground, in the ground inside my tent uh, with the silver underneath. Look, something we can learn from Joshua in this, um, this is what, what Matthew Henry says um, of Joshua's tenderness with, with Achan. He says, How he accosted him with the greatest mildness and tenderness that could be, like a true disciple of Moses. He might justly have called him thief, rebel, thou fool, but he called him son. He might have adjured him to confess as the high priest did our blessed Savior or threatened him with the torture to extort a confession. For the love's, for, but for love's sake he rather besieges him. I pray thee make a confession. This is an example to all not to insult those that are in misery. Though they have brought themselves into it by their own wickedness, but to treat even offenders with the spirit of meekness, not knowing what we ourselves should have been and done in, if God had put us in the hands of our own counsel. So look, what we learn from Joshua um, is that he doesn't go and say, hey, you big dummy, what were you thinking? He says, hey, brother, hey, son, you've messed up, it's time to confess. And look, we read last week that the result of this, the consequence of the sin didn't turn out so good for Akon. 
But what we learn from, from God is that God's grace is magnificent. God did not have to, to give Akon a way out. He could have said, hey, when you figure out who it is, kill him. Put him to death. But no, he gives him a chance to confess, to confess sin. And what do we know to be true um, from what we just read? He says that as we confess our sin, God is faithful to forgive us. We read that in Psalm and we read that in 1 John. And so look, Akon's had a chance to be forgiven. But that doesn't remove the consequence of what he did. So first we have to... um, We have to confront our sin, and then we have to confess our sin. But look, if we're dealing with sin severely, we have to do this next part, or we're going to find ourselves making laps around it. Sin has to be crucified. It has to be put to death. Joshua 7.15 says, Whoever is caught with the devoted thing shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. And look, we hear that and we think, man, like, isn't that a little bit much, God? He confessed. He said that he did it. Like, can't can't there be another way? God says, no, look, this has to be dealt with. Look, there... They were moving forward with claiming the promise of the promised land. They had already made laps around this sin for 40 years in the desert. God said, it's got to be taken care of. The consequences are high right now. He says, I've promised you this and it's time to take it. It's time to claim it and we can't fiddle around with this sin any longer. It's time to put it to death. So now that the sin's dealt with, we can finally move um, into chapter 8. And so we find out in chapter 7 that with the sin, they move forward and try and attack I, and they fail. 36 men die, and then we find out what happens to Akon and his family dies. Well, now that sin's dealt with, we can move forward. And look, it's the same thing in our life. That until sin's dealt with... We, we're kind of held there. So this is what Joshua does. He, he calls up 30,000 of his troops. That's 27,000 more than they did last time. Um, he says, we're taking over I. But that's because God promised them. This is what he says. He says, and the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you. And go up and attack I. He says, I want everybody to have participation in this. Y'all saw the miracle of me having y'all walk around Jericho. um, But it's time for y'all to participate in this thing. So sin's dealt with. And so now we move forward. And this is the the interesting part. That now that that they've attacked I, God has given them the freedom. And says, hey, this plunder's yours. He says, you gave me my my first portion. You gave me my 10%. um, So now this one's yours. And so it's interesting because the very thing that led to their failing, their defeat in I, and to the death 
um, of Akon and his family, God's now given them freedom to have. This is what Matthew Henry says about that. He says, The way to have the comfort of what God allows us is to forbear what he forbids us. Look, everybody else had to play by those rules. Everybody else had to play by the rules of leaving those devoted things for God. But Akon, he couldn't forbear what God had forbidden him. Look, if he had only had the faith to know that God was going to take care of him in the next battle and provide for his family, him and his family would still be alive. They wouldn't have a defeat on their record from I. But he couldn't forbear it. And so therefore, he and his family didn't get to take part in the comfort of the blessing um, that God had for them. Sin has to be dealt with severely. You know, the reason that we find ourselves making laps around these same sins um, is that we think that we can do this on our own. We say, look, I've got it this time. Um, I think I can handle it but we don't do anything to change our life. Look, if we're struggling with alcohol or drugs or some sort of addiction, we need to remove ourselves from that. But the reason we keep finding ourselves in the same situation, dealing with the same sin for so long, is that, look, if I'm dealing with alcohol, I find myself, I'm going to keep the same friends, and I I like going to the bar, I'm just not going to drink. Yeah, right. That's not going to happen. Look, I like the privacy of my own room and a door to shut me in. I won't look at the computer screen this time. It's right there. So the very thing that we're so desperately trying to flee from, we put ourselves in situations where, where the temptation is too great. God says, cut it off. Put an axe in that tree. So first we have to We have to know that there's sin. We have to confess it and confront it, and then we need to crucify it. So now that that sin has been crucified, it's been put to death in our life, it frees us up to do what we read earlier in our text from Joshua 8, 30 through 35. Look, once sin has been put to death, it's been taken care of, it's been dealt with, it's been handled, it frees us up to worship God. But only after we deal with that sin are we free to worship Him. Remember what David said in Psalm 32, says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through the groaning all day long. He said, Then I acknowledged my sin and you forgave my guilt. And this is how he finishes that psalm in Psalm 32. He says, Rejoice in the Lord gladly, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. He rejoices. He worships God. So once sin's handled, we can worship. So the interesting thing here is we were reading, um, it says that, after they took over Ai, that, that Joshua led them into um, to building an altar and to worshiping God. And the thing that's so interesting here and so spectacular about what they do um, 
is that if you look at the map of the promised land where they're taking over, um, the place that Joshua leads them is right between two mountains. You have Mount Ebal in the north, and then you have Mount uh, Gerizim in the south. And then on the east, you have um, the Jordan River. And so right in that area is, is fertile land. It's close to water. And, and like any ancient area, it's prime location to settle. And so there's a city there, a, a huge city called Shechem. And you have to understand that, look, Israel now moving into the promised land, having taken over Jericho, having taken over Ai, they have a huge target on their back. Everybody in the area is looking at them, kind of in fear, but kind of ready to squash them. And so what's so interesting and so powerful about what they do is that without going and surveying the land, they they have no clue. This is their first time in the promised land. Joshua leads them to a place that they don't know, sets up right near a city, builds an altar as Moses had commanded, um, and they worship God there. Look, why is that powerful? That required a tremendous amount of faith. Look, they had gotten right with God, and so they were free now to worship Him. And that's what Jesus does for us. Look, the guilt that we carry of sin, it doesn't free us up to worship Him until we put it to death. But when we put it to death, we don't worry about the enemy now. It's put to death, so now we get to worship God. But we had to handle it severely, right? And so the beautiful thing that happens here is that while they're, they're in this mystery land, um, not knowing who's coming after them, look, they don't set up any scouts or anything. Joshua calls in everybody. The foreigners, the women, the children, the leaders, the warriors, calls them all in and says, hey, we're worshiping God right now. And so look, to have victory... Um, a victorious walk with Christ. We have to deal with sin severely, and then we get to worship Him. It's part of, of, of your walk with Christ is worshiping Him collectively with a body. And then lastly, as we, we move into our last thing, He reads the Word with them. So after we've taken care of of sin, and we we move into worship, he says, don't forget my commands. Read my word. And look what we learn from Joshua. It says, Joshua read all the words of the law. There wasn't a single word, um, there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read. It says the curses and the blessings. Look, the word is our guide. We read in Psalm that it's a lamp into our feet. It shows us how to walk. It shows us how to live. And it protects us from sin. It instructs us. It corrects us. um, and, And what it does for sin is it creates a hurdle for us to climb over. 
And so this is important that after he worships, they read the word of God. The promises and the curses. Look, the promise earlier for Achan was that, hey, if you confess your sin, God will forgive you. We read that in, in Psalm in, in 1 John. But the curse still requires you to die. It still requires us to put this thing to death. Look, for us, we have to read the blessings and the curses. We like the promises that God's always with us. We like the promise um, that he's going to take care of us, that his grace is sufficient. But what about the ones that, that call for suffering? Look, for us, that, that's going to look different. For the college students, we're going to take a mission trip to St. Louis over spring break. It requires a little bit of suffering to give up your spring break. It's a week. It's a full week that you could go spend time with family. It's going to take some suffering. For students, you have a weekend of D-Now coming up. I know that's a Saturday. And when you're in high school, you like those Saturdays. It's going to take some suffering to give that up. But it's worth it. For some of y'all, maybe you need to commit on, on going on a mission trip. Maybe it seems a little scary to hop on a plane and fly out of this country. Maybe it seems like, man, I don't know if we can afford that. Have some faith. Look, trust God a little bit. If he's called you to, he's going he's to see you through it. Look, some of us, we need to start practicing discipleship. Look, between the two generations of college students and, and youth students here, it's the largest generation that we've ever seen. We have a great ability to see the Great Commission fulfilled. To have every tongue see the gospel, to hear the gospel. But look, some of y'all need to, to, to take the time and invest in them. Students, some of y'all need to to quit going home on the weekends. To maybe give up a few things that, that you want or desire. Um, maybe give up an evening to start meeting up with someone. Look, we like the, the promises um, that, that make us feel good. But there's the promises of suffering too. And those aren't as fun. But they're still a promise nonetheless. So as the band, if y'all go ahead and come forward. Um, look, what we learned this morning from Joshua, if we're going to have a victorious walk with Christ, and look, his desire all along has been for us to have that. If we're going to have that, sin has to be dealt with severely. And once it's dealt with severely, it's time to worship God. And after that, continue in the reading and instruction of the word. If y'all pray with me real quick. God, these are hard teachings. Um, God, we don't like talking about sin. Um, we don't like talking about um, some of these things that you've asked us to do that, that are painful, that hurt. But God, they're your promise. 
God, we desire to have a victorious walk with you. And so, Lord, I pray that, um, that, Lord, if there's sin in our life, Lord, that we take care of it. Lord, that we deal with it so severely that it can't come back. Lord, and I pray for each individual in here, not knowing what everyone's going through, that, that, Lord, that your word would be speaking to him this morning. Lord, that if there's sin in this place, Lord, that it would be taken care of right now. Lord, that we wouldn't wait, that we wouldn't prolong it, Lord, that we would recognize that it exists, and Lord, that we would confront it and confess it right now. And Lord, that we would take the measures that we need to crucify it, to put it to death, to put an end to it. God, that we would call others into that to help us. 